Welcome to Infuse Church. Those of you who don't know me, my name's Gary. I'm uh, the pastor here with my wife Jane, and we've got a great team um, around us. Uh, part of our team right now is, is ministering to the children, and uh, we're looking forward to that. God Chasers is going gangbusters, I've got to tell you. It's exciting to hear of the great reports. We're hearing many things from parents, uh, the excitement in parents' voice and lives as they hear about the great things that the kids are involved in. And uh, kids are coming home and they're excited about Jesus. Uh, and that's a great legacy to leave with our children and, and, and to our families is this whole thing about understanding that uh, we have a part to play about uh, the next generation being excited about the God that we serve and worship and, and the one that we, we love and adore and that one that we give our lives to. And uh, I think that's an amazing thing to happen. So this morning, I am going to continue um, with the series on overcoming our fears. Um, this, fear, this, this series is designed to, uh, to change our mindsets, our thought patterns, that are more aligned with the world's way than with God's way of living. Uh, right from part one, I, I set a foundation, and I just want to give a quick recap of that foundation, that uh, it's, it's perfect love that casts out all fear. And we need to understand that uh, and accept it's that Christ loves us. That's, that's the, 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 the ballpark, and we need to accept that he loves us. We need to believe that he, he died on the cross and was risen again three days later for me. And we also need to understand that we need to commit our fears and our lives to Christ. If we can come away with that foundation, we can start to build upon that and start to see some incredible things happen in our lives. One of the things I do recognize in, in talking about fears is that sometimes stuff can be stirred up. And I have resources available to me, and I can point you towards some resources that if you're, uh, you feel this and you want to address those things, come and see me after the service, and I can certainly get those resources to you. But this morning, welcome to part five of our Overcoming Our Fears series. And this morning, I'm actually going to be speaking about something that I have as a fear in my life, and it's something that I feel that God has, has got me talking about this morning. And that is that any time we face something new in our lives, we face this fear. It is the fear of inadequacy. It's the fear of inadequacy. It, this is when we think about ourselves that we don't have what it takes to do the job. We don't have what it takes to be a good parent, to be a good leader, to be a believer about what Jesus is asking us to do. There's this fear of inadequacy. We've all felt that, I believe, at some point in our lives. But God does not want us to feel that way. I want to tell you, just turn to the person next to you and say, God does not want you to feel that you don't have what it takes. God doesn't want you to have that fear that you don't have what it takes. Did I say that right or not? Maybe not, but there you go. Oh, positive, yeah. yeah. Well, we'll get there. Cool bananas. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19 says this. I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened in order that you may know is incomparably great power for us who believe. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know his incomparably great power for us who believe. That is the answer to the fear of inadequacy in our lives. Knowing that he has his incomparably great power available for us. God wants 
to share that power with us. How great is God's power? Well, he keeps the world spinning. He keeps the sun burning. All the stars, the millions upon billions upon trillions of stars are held in the night sky and they don't fall down. The Bible actually says that he wants to take that great power and transform it in our lives and make it work in our lives. He can take our feelings of, I don't have what it takes because he has what it takes. And how can we experience his power in our life? How do we do this? How do we overcome this fear of inadequacy and transform our lives by accepting and using and, and, and accessing his power? One of the things that we have to do is to learn to trade our responses of feelings of inadequacy for God's response to feelings of inadequacy. And when we learn this, we can begin to enjoy a new sense of strength, power, and real confidence in our lives. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, God did not give us a spirit of fear. God did not give you that spirit of fear. So if we find ourselves in an area of fear, then that's not come from God, it's come from the enemy. Because God says he's given us a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. That's what God's given to us. Our response to feeling inadequate is the same as Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. They bit into an apple and they suddenly realized that they were naked and that that's what inadequacy is all about, really. Suddenly we have this terrible realization of what's missing in our lives, what we don't have, and we struggle with that. That's what the fear of inadequacy is all about. We feel inadequate, and so we try to cover up just like Adam and Eve, who found that they were naked. We cover up too. We pretend we've got it all together. We're fine, but we're not. We cover up or we hide just like Adam and Eve hid in the Garden of Eden. We may not hide in the bushes. If you are, stop it. Just don't do it. But we might hide in our office. We might hide in our homes. We might hide at work. We might hide through our children. We might find many ways to hide. We also may put others down trying to make ourselves feel better about us because Adam and Eve played the blame game. It's, it's her fault because he didn't measure up. He was inadequate in a way. See, hiding and covering up and putting that down doesn't fix the problem. It's just going to confirm and strengthen the feelings of inadequacy that we all face in our lives. However, there is a different direction that we can take when this comes up. And that is the direction that God gives us, to take God's direction in our lives. We're set free from the fear of inadequacy, not by great successes, but from how we respond to difficult circumstances. See, the thing is, if we continue to think that we if I just get one success in my life, then I'll, I'll have what it takes. But the thing is, when you've got that one success, you're going to find, you know what? I need to keep succeeding to f keep feeling the way that I do. So finding success or, uh, or walking in success is not the answer to the feelings of inadequacy. It's learning to respond right in difficult circumstances, to respond the way that God wants us to respond. 
when we feel inadequate, we can respond in one of two ways. We can get angry and bitter and feel more and more inadequate, or we can understand the way that God wants us to respond and to do that. See, the thing that would be really easy for me to do this morning is to talk to about, for you to, to, with you for about 20 minutes, building you up, encouraging you, saying you've got everything you need to take, and, and you, just do it, you can go out and you can do anything, and we might get home feeling really great. But the first problem that we have, we're going to crumble because we're not based upon what God wants to do. You're only based upon the encouragement that I can give you. And I'm not into doing that this morning. That was worth a clap. See, it's not God's way of, of building confidence in our lives. His way is to allow into our lives tough circumstances to show us how to respond And when we respond in the right way, he builds his confidence in us. His confidence in us. It's like weightlifting. Now, some of you may not understand this, but during my 20s and 30s, I was a supreme athlete. (laughs) All right, maybe not quite a supreme one, but I... I did a bit of, a bit of uh, weightlifting and stuff like that. One of the things that I learned was that if you want to put on muscle mass, then you must drive your muscles to failure before you're going to put on mass. Why? Because when you, you drive or you push your, uh, the weights and then you, you pull up, push up a weight, like doing bench presses, you do as much as you can, but then you can't lift it anymore. That's going to what they call failure. It's where you can't lift that weight anymore. What's happened is you've, you've got micro tears in your muscles and that when those micro tears in your muscles start to repair, that muscle is slightly larger than it was before. So you need to go to failure to actually get bigger. It's the same with us in, this, in the Christian world as well. Sometimes we've got to come to the end of ourselves got to go to the point of failure where the only way we've got to go forward is to just trust in God and we're going to get bigger. We're going to have a confidence in his ability to bring us through or to take us through a circumstance. That was good. There's three main circumstances that we all experience that when we respond the right way, God can build his confidence into our lives. Are you interested in hearing that this morning? Excellent. So the first one is unchangeable challenges actually requires responding with dependence unreasonable people require responding with patience and unimaginable problems requires responding with faith if we will respond god's way in each of these three areas and i'll talk about them in a minute then we can find that God is going to instill his confidence in our lives and it's not going to be based on our own ability but on God's ability to bring us through. Amen? So the first one we're going to talk about this morning is unchangeable challenges that require responding with dependence. Unchangeable challenges require responding with dependence. The Apostle Paul, as great as he was struggled with some unchangeable challenges in his life. He even asked God to take it away from him, but he didn't. Paul had to learn to respond the right way to the unchangeable challenges that he had in his life. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, God said to to Paul, he says, God says to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 
So what is this thing called an unchangeable challenge? Some of us get really weak at the knees. We heard this from Haley this morning. Some of us get really weak in the knees when we talk about or think about chocolate. Okay? It's not that. Some of us might think it's about sin. It's this unchangeable challenge that we can... can No, we can change sin because we can stop doing it. Christ has paid the price for sin. So there's an area that we can change. And it's not temptation either because we can address that too. An unchangeable challenge is a limitation in our lives. It can be physical, it can be emotional, a talent maybe, but it's a, a, a limitation that we may have inherited and we can't change it. I want to tell you right now, I have an unchangeable challenge in my world. Okay, There is no way that I'm going to be able to be a jockey of a thoroughbred horse and race it. Okay, I have a physical limitation. I might be able to jockey a camel... But I can't do one like a a thoroughbred horse. It's just not going to happen. It's an an unchangeable challenge in my life. You've got to see the size of the horse that I'd have to ride for me to be able to to bolt forward and and stuff like that. A donkey. Praise God. Thank you for that. So there's this unchangeable thing. Paul had a name for his weakness. It was called a thorn in the flesh. It was a thorn in the flesh. We don't know what that thorn was, only that it had a name and it was a limitation to him. The Living Bible translates it this way. My power shows up best in weak people. How can we see God's power in our physical limitation in our lives? How can we see God's power in the fact that we are not talented as someone else might be? Only one word, through dependence. Dependence on God. We respond to unchangeable challenges by depending on what God can do in and through us. Many times our response to feelings of insecurity and inadequacy is to keep life dumbed down to what our human limitations are. This is what I can do. This is what I can't do. Okay, And we get wrapped up in ourselves. And it just makes a small package. People say that. Dependence helps us to understand God's strength in our lives. When we depend on God to do the things that we can't, we actually get a dependence and a a confidence in his ability to bring us through. Some of us think we're going through incredible hardship. And you think, I can't worship this morning. I can't praise this morning. I can't lift my hands this morning. I can't dance. I can't sing. I can't do that this morning. But when we depend on God, when we look to Him, we suddenly find that there is a strength. You know what? I actually can do that. It's not about what I'm going through. It's who I'm going with. It's understanding that Christ with us is greater than anything else. Proverbs 10 verse 8 says, A self-sufficient fool falls flat on their face. True. In the Bible, that's what it says. See, God, God's love, he, he loves to turn us towards Him. He loves to turn our greatest weaknesses into our greatest strengths. The very thing that you struggle with is very possibly the thing that God wants to use to reach other people with. The very thing that you struggle with the most is very likely the very thing that God wants to use to break open someone else's world.
And you, we, we sit there and we think, well, why have I got this? Why, is, why can't I break through in this particular area? What, what's, what's wrong with me? Nothing, just give it to God. Start to depending on Him. And as He brings you through, through a process, through a journey, it can be the very thing that can help people unlock stuff. You know, I, I don't mean to make light of this, but the, the, the fact that I got raped as a 15-year-old helps me to talk to people who go through sexual abuse. Why did that happen? Why did that, that? No, I'm actually going to use that and kick the devil in the teeth every time I talk to someone else about sexual abuse. The very thing that you think is the thing that was going to bring you down in your world, the very thing that you thought was going to ruin your life, the thing that's happened in your world is the very thing that God wants to use, that weakness to bring strength to someone else, to give hope, to give a future. Depending on God is a huge thing in life, but where do we get started? Well, I believe that one of the greatest places that we can get started is to have a dependence in worship. Worship reminds us how powerful God is. Psalm 63 talks about there, it says, I've seen you in the sanctuary and I've beheld your power and your glory. Psalm 40 verse 17 says, I am poor and weak and yet the Lord is thinking about me right now. In your moment of weakness, in the moment of, of your thinking that you don't have enough, the things that you can't do, God says, he's thinking about you right then. That's what worship does for us. It, 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 we realize that we are poor and weak. We've had a tough week. We blew it, but God is thinking about us right now. One of the most significant things that happens in worship is not that we come and think about God, but that we realize how much he's thinking about us. The Bible builds into our heart an ability to, to, to depend on Him. <coughs> Worship helps realign our focus from ourselves to God. So we can be reminded of God's great love, His great grace, His great power, His great ability, so that we can depend on Him. That's why, you know, if you're going through something, find out what God says about something and rely on it. Find out what God says about the circumstance, the situation that you're going through. Grab that word, get that word, get a stake, stake it in the ground and start to say, this is what I'm attaching myself to and I'm not moving from this. I'm anchored in Christ. I'm anchored in Christ. That's where my dependence is. It may be like a complete opposite to what you're going through, but it's what God says. Secondly, secondly, that's better. Unreasonable people require responding with patience. I'm not looking at anyone today. Do you know any unreasonable people in your world? Don't look around. Don't look around. I know they're looking at me. The truth is we've all got unreasonable people in our world, don't we? What does an unreasonable person look like? Just in case you don't have one in your world, I'm just going to describe what one might look like. Unreasonable people criticize much more than they encourage. They always find fault. They make sweeping statements and generalities based on a minute thing. They attack us. 
They want us to get involved in arguments. They never have a discussion. It's always full on. They're often filled with selfishness. They major on minors and they keep us from focusing on what's really important in in life. Maybe it's your boss. Maybe it's your supervisor, a teacher, a neighbor. Maybe it's that person in your connect group. Maybe it's a teammate in your sporting club. Maybe it's that regular customer that comes into your shop every week. And you know that nothing is right for them. Maybe it's your child. They're just an unreasonable person. Whose words do we remember more? The encourager or the critic? I'm going to say it's the critic. The critic, it shows the power in my life, this is for me, it shows the power of an unreasonable person. God has sent these people into our lives to develop a sense of his power. How? Because he wants us to respond with patience. And quite often with an unreasonable person, that is the last thing that you want to respond with. (laughs) All those people that were laughing, you think like me. (laughs) Again and again, the Bible encourages us to be patient with unreasonable people in our world. When we love the unlovely, we're acting most like Jesus would. Jesus said to love our enemies so we can be just like our Father who is in heaven. Ephesians 4.2 says, Be patient with each other. Make allowances for each other's faults because of your love. See, those who say that they love God but hate their brother don't know the love of God. It's what the Bible declares. So because we love God, you've got to love people because he loves people. And sometimes there are unreasonable people that we deal with and we've got to simply learn patience in dealing with them. It's like Peter says to to Jesus in Luke. He says, how many times have I got to do this with this person? How many times have I got to keep forgiving this person? This is an unreasonable person that he's talking about. They keep hurting me. What do I got to do? says you're just going to continue to do it because this is a journey of love. He's he's modelled this by going to the cross for us. I don't know. I'm I'm pretty sure that BC, before Christ, I'm pretty sure that in areas of my life I was unreasonable. You're all looking at me like I'm the only one. (laughs) We're going to make allowances. We've got to be patient. See, here's the trick, okay? If we're following a truck on the freeway and there's a big wind going left to right, we can see that the semi-trailer is like weaving backwards and forwards on the freeway. If we want to overtake that semi-trailer, if we want to get ahead of that semi-trailer, we've got to give it some space so that we can do so safely. Okay? It is the same when we're talking about dealing with a person who is unreasonable. Okay? We've got to give them some extra grace. Got to give them some extra room so that we can 
talk with them and, 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 and be in their world. Romans 12, 18 says, be at peace with everyone just as much as possible. Some people, it's just not possible. We recognize that. Okay? It's an unreasonable person that we're dealing with. Just give them patience. Let God, you know, Bruce Almighty, it's a good film. I love Bruce Almighty. But one of the things he said that uh, I think Morgan Freeman, who's playing God in the place wherever he, he's, he's meeting with, uh, what's his face? Um, uh, that's him. Um, he says, you know, if we pray for patience, does God give us patience or does he give us an opportunity to develop patience? Some of you have been praying for patience. Don't be surprised about the unreasonable person that enters your world. It's your fault. You prayed for it. Don't blame God. It's all your fault. There's only so much that we can do, but as much as we can is what God wants us to do. We can't be patient for them, but we can be patient for us. Realize that there is a difference between patience and capitulation. Okay? doesn't mean to say that they always get their own way. We can give to others without giving in to others. Being patient doesn't mean that we always let them have their way or ruin our business. At times we must lovingly confront, but we do it in love, and that's tough to do it sometimes. How do we develop this attitude of patience in our lives? I believe one of the greatest ways that we can do is by picturing God's love for us. Ephesians 3.18 says, I pray that you have the power to grasp how wide, how high, how long, how deep is the love of Christ. See, praise, Paul is praying that we see it. It's, it's one thing for me to stand here and talk to us about how great God's love is. It is quite another thing for us to grab a hold of it, to picture it, and to see it for ourselves. One of the questions, let me illustrate this a little bit better. Anyone here seen a, a postcard of the Great Barrier Reef? Yeah, or, or another landmark, like a, a massive uh, part of uh, seven wonders of the world, something that you've seen around the world, okay? <clears throat> you can't reduce the beauty and the awe of the Great Barrier Reef to the size of a postcard or a picture. It's just physically impossible to do that. We can never understand the size, the color, the beauty, the, the, the grandeur of it. To really understand the Great Barrier Reef, we have to go to it. We need to swim in it. We need to see it for ourselves. We need to touch it. We need to travel over it to see exactly how big it is. And Paul says, if we want to picture God's love, then he wants us to see it for ourselves. How high, how long, how wide, how deep that love really is. Once we see that, we'll have strength to love other people. Because we suddenly realize that that love that God loves us with is the same God that loves those people that we we struggle with. Does that make sense? God is really patient with us. I know he's really patient with me. And I also suspect he's fairly patient with you too. And the same grace that we expect from God with his patience as we work through our issues is the same patience that we need to extend towards the people that we're having issues with as well. It's one of the greatest things, the greatest testimonies that we can have is to work through difficulties and and tensions with people that we struggle with. 
The number one thing that helps me be patient with other people is seeing God's love for us strengthen our patience with impossible people. The third thing that I want to talk about this morning is unimaginable problems require responding with faith. Unimaginable problems requires responding with faith. An unimaginable problem is something that happens to us or we're a part of that we would never have imagined happened to us. We've never imagined losing our job or getting cancer. We never imagined a a spouse divorcing us or a child that would kill someone else and be charged with murder. We never would have imagined those problems. But I want to say to you that every one of those problems, those unimaginable things has happened to someone in this church since we've been a part of it. There's many more things that have happened. We wouldn't have thought that that would happen to us. We wouldn't have thought that that would have happened to someone. We couldn't have imagined life going so wrong for those people. But they did. Many times we think God is trying to help us to become more confident. So why does he often put us in situations where it seems like we just can't succeed? There is no way for us to have a win-win situation out of this. There is going to be a loser, and I strongly suspect that it's going to be me. How does that build our self-confidence? Well, God's not trying to build our self-confidence. God is trying to build our God-confidence. That's where the real power is. That's where the strength is. Jesus called his, uh, his disciples timid or fearful only once. They had lots of problems and they made many mistakes and they did dumb stuff, but there was only one time that Jesus called them timid. It was when they were in the Sea of Galilee and this huge storm blew up. These disciples, these fishermen, they, they're seasoned fishermen, they knew that this storm was, was dangerous and when they saw it, they knew that this one was a dangerous storm. They were afraid for their lives. They were in a panic. They're running around and wondering what to do. Jesus slept through the whole thing. Finally, he wakes up, stretches out his arms. Peace, be still. And it was. (laughs) Might not have happened like that, but creative license, you know. He looked at his disciples and he said, you timid disciples, you men of little faith. And it's when we face an unimaginable problem that God wants us to respond in faith. When it doesn't look like that there's going to be a good answer to this, that's when we need faith. It takes faith to believe that God will ensure that all things work together for the good of those who love him. It takes faith to believe that. I know that there are families in this church this morning and those that may be listening to this podcast where you're going through an unimaginable problem. And my encouragement to you is this. Respond in faith. Keep having faith in God's word. Keep worshipping. Keep praising. Keep fellowshipping. Keep coming to church. Keep going to your connect group. Keep believing. Keep having faith. I think that the reason that Jesus may have been so upset 
with his disciples was because that they were focused on the storm around them and not on Jesus who was in the boat with them who had the answer for that storm. As a parent, if we have the answers to one of our kids' problems, if they could get help and they didn't ask for it, it ticks us off sometimes. You know, why didn't you come to me with this? I could have helped you. I don't know how many times I've heard my dad say that. <laughs> Sorry. See, Jesus had the answer when these guys were in the boat. He had the power to make a difference. But the fishermen cowered from the waves in timid fear instead of calling upon Jesus in faith. The disciples were in over their heads quite literally. They couldn't handle this. And that's not what upset Jesus. It was the fact that they didn't turn to him in the middle of the storm. You know what? Our Australian culture is one where she'll be right, mate. I'll, I'll make it through. I'll, I'll muscle my way through. I got here by, you know, my own two hands and two feet. I'll pull up my bootstraps and I'll just keep on going. It's not a kingdom mindset. Sometimes we need the personal gumption to do stuff, the personal fortitude to do things, to continue to do things. But we need much more to rely on Christ. Luke 1 verse 37 says, Nothing is impossible for God. Luke 18 27 says, God can do things that are not possible for people to do. Jesus said to his disciples at the end of the storm, Why are we so fearful? Don't you even yet have confidence in me? Unimaginable problems are an invitation to have confidence in God, not ourselves. Jesus taught his disciples about unimaginable problems. He knew how feelings of inadequacy can overcome our lives. Jesus was teaching to about 5,000 people one day, just the men, plus women and children. The days drawing to a close, the disciples came to him and they said, you know, there's so many people here and, and everyone's fairly hungry. You know, what are we going to do? How are we going to feed them? We need to let them every, everyone go so that we can, they can get some food and stuff. But Jesus turns to him and says, you feed them. What? That's an unimaginable problem. I mean, have you seen, Jesus, how many people are out there? And you want us to feed them? That's going to take more than a year's wages to be able to do. We can't do that. It's an unimaginable problem. They had no food, but they found a boy with a couple of loaves and some fish. And they put them in Jesus' hands and he divided them. And everyone was fed and they had 12 baskets left over. I said at the start of this message, this is something that I struggle with, the fear of inadequacy. You can ask, if, do I suffer with this? Yeah, I do, yeah. This is big for me. Standing here every week, talking to people I care about, trying to talk about the love of God, the grace of God, and trying to encourage us to engage with our community. Wondering how the messages are being received, if there's change coming, if there's transformation happening, if all these things I, I wonder about. I'm thinking, why on earth have you got me here, God? You must be nuts. Because it's a fear of inadequacy. I don't have what it takes. But each week, I muscle through and I just say, God, 
I don't, I've got to trust. I've got to trust that when you gave me Joshua chapter 1 verse 9, I think it was, or verse 6, actually, verse 6. When you gave me that scripture that you didn't make a mistake. So I'm going to trust that word that you've given me. I'm going to stand on it. I've driven it in like an anchor. And I'm not walking away from it until God says, it's time to change. I suffer from this. This is big for me. This story of the feeding of the 5,000 helps me. Because what I do is, I, I see that when I put what I have into the hands of Jesus, he multiplies it. He multiplies it. He increases it. We might feel inadequate as a parent, but when we put our parenting skills into the hands of Jesus, we can have confidence that he's going to lead us and guide us. We might feel inadequate as a leader, a manager, a husband or a wife, but when we put what we've got in our hands into the hands of Christ, he multiplies it. To recognize how much God can do in our life, just look at all that he's put around us. Jeremiah 32 verse 17 says, Lord, you've made the heavens and the earth by your great power. Nothing's too hard for you. Many times I've stood on a beach fishing and all I've done is to be amazed at the way that the ocean stretches out before me and the, the waves just roll in. Now, many of you say that's because you can't catch fish and that's all you've got to do. But it's a part of me that, that says, I love, if I, if I, all, all I could do when I went fishing consistently was to look at the view and just stand there in the solitude with a couple of mates, just hanging out together. That's okay. Because I see the beauty of God in where I'm standing. And I'm reminded when I look at the beach that the grains of sand aren't enough to represent how much God thinks of me. Each individual thought. God sent those waves. He created the oceans. Each grain of sand is there to remind me. Ephesians 3 verse 20 to 21 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory. I think that's amazing. One of the characteristics of the fear of inadequacy is that we feel like we're all alone. We are the only one who feels this way. It is a ploy of the enemy he uses to try and get us into limited thinking and to feel and to separate us and to isolate us. Everybody is filled with confidence. So they're doing so well in life. That's what we think. I mean, just check out their Facebook page. They're doing so well. Everything's going great for them. <laughs> it's just not true. Look through the Bible at some of the people who faced the fear of inadequacy. Moses faced this fear. Joshua did. Jeremiah, Peter, Timothy. They faced it for different reasons. Moses felt like he couldn't speak well enough. Jeremiah felt he was too young. Peter, he, he felt like it was, it was too out there, just a big mouth. Timothy felt like he, he couldn't deal with people. He was too young. They all faced this uh, 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 it for different reasons. 
They faced the fear of inadequacy, but they dealt with it. See, undealt with, this fear of inadequacy can steal us from our life's purpose. But if we deal with this fear of inadequacy, the Bible presents an exciting picture of God being able to transform people who face this fear when they give that fear to him. It's why I set the foundation. A, B, C, accept that God loves you. B, to believe that he died and he rose again on the third day for you. C, C, to give Christ, all to commit to Christ all of our fears and to give our lives to him, to give it to him. Moses confronts Pharaoh. Jeremiah becomes a great prophet. Peter speaks so confidently that thousands give their hearts to him, to Christ. And Timothy comes out pastoring the church in Ephesus. Why did that happen? Because they looked at their fear of inadequacy and they trusted God and found that he is able. We may be thinking that we don't see that happening in our life. God's going to lovingly continue to send into our lives circumstances, unchangeable challenges, unreasonable people, and unimaginable problems. Whether our fear of inadequacy is based in having an unchangeable challenge, uh, an unreasonable person, or an unimaginable problem, I would like us to make a conscious decision to respond and not react to not hide or cover up or put others down, but to respond and to respond God's way. When we've got an unchangeable challenge to depend on God, that when we're dealing with unreasonable people to have patience, and then when we've got an unimaginable problem to step up in faith and to believe God, when we respond God's way, He can build into us, into our lives, a new sense of confidence. And the power of God's love can truly be shown for what it is, something that is absolutely amazing. Let's stand. I hope that helps someone today. ones that were really on my heart this morning as I was thinking about this message this week were the people that are facing unimaginable problems. You should never have to bury a kid. You should never have to bury your grandchildren. You shouldn't have to watch a loving mum or dad just wasting away. People are facing those things today. Just, just bow your heads in prayer.
Father, sometimes just things just don't add up. They don't make sense. We have so many questions quite often in our lives through the things that we're walking through and we just don't understand. We have these questions in our hearts about you being a loving and gracious and merciful God. Yet in our world we see people suffering and hurting. We see the, the absolute tragis, tragedy of Syria. We hear of atrocities being committed. And we don't understand why. So today all we can do is to stand in faith and to trust you. To trust that you've got things under control. That you're going to be with us through this and that we don't walk through this alone. That's actually what I'm talking on next week is the fear of loneliness. Heavenly Father, I pray for those who are going through those things right now. We pray for the people in Syria, in Sweden, around the world where atrocities are being committed in the name of a God. It's not you. I pray for those in our congregation this morning who are going through unimaginable things, things they never thought would happen to them in their lives. This was not their plan for their life. So, Father, I pray for those right now, and I ask you in the name of Jesus, that Holy Spirit, you would come alongside of them and you would be their comforter. The Bible declares that blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. They may not have passed away yet, but we're mourning because we know and sense that there's an inevitability about it. Help us to respond in faith. Help us to respond in faith. For those who've gone through things and have questions in their hearts and their minds this morning, I pray help them to respond in faith, to look to your word, to find what you say on an issue, to stand upon it, to stake it in the ground and say, this is what I believe and this is what I trust for happening. In the name of Jesus, would you speak to your people this week from your word, with a word of encouragement, a word of strength, a word of power that will give them an ability to know that they can have confidence in you because you are God, the true living God, the resurrected God. Father, I thank you for your people today. I thank you for your goodness in their lives and I pray that you bless and encourage them all in the mighty name of Jesus. While everyone's got their heads bowed, eyes closed, I want to make an opportunity available to you. Some of you may be here this morning and you have heard about Christ and having confidence in Christ. You don't really know what that's about because you've never really given your heart to Christ. You've never given your life to him. You've never trusted him with your life. God, would you speak to them this morning in Jesus' name? 
I want to give you an opportunity. If you've never accepted Christ, you've never said, God, would you come into my life? Would you be my God so that I can have a confidence in you to walk through life and know that my eternity is secure? If you've never prayed that prayer, never asked Christ to be your Lord and your Savior, and this morning you want to do that, would you put your hand up? I would love to pray with you and to give you some things that are going to help you in your journey of becoming a disciple, a passionate follower of Jesus. Is there anyone here this morning that wants to do that? Anyone at all? Just put your hand up nice and tall so that I can see it. Thank you for your people, Lord. Bless them, encourage them in Jesus' name. Amen.